Welcome to Sister Conversations with Ayana Blake, a healthy and safe space for women to collect inspirational tools, tips, and stories to become their best selves. Expect unfiltered truths and empowering strategies, along with compelling interviews and group discussions to become a more effective woman. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now, let's jump into our daily dose of practical sister conversations. Hi everyone, I am Ayana Blake, and this is Sister Conversations. Dr. Trinace Richardson is an internationally sought-after keynote speaker, creative, and an award-winning educator, author, and CEO. With over 20 years of leadership experience in the private and public sectors, Dr. Richardson is a highly respected leadership researcher and practitioner. She has spoken to and sung for audiences across the country, inspiring individuals and helping businesses churches and civic organizations excel in the areas of personal and leadership development. Dr. Richardson's passion is to help growing organizations and driven individuals discover their creative core by living out a theoretical leadership and life framework that she developed called Leading with Soul. This inward-focused leadership style has proven to be highly successful in the training of facilitators for her nonprofit, Real Women Incorporated, and for her clients across the country. Currently, Dr. Richardson oversees Trinace Richardson Enterprises, a speaking, consulting, and leadership development company. She also directs the work of her nonprofit, Real Women Incorporated, where safe spaces are created across the country and abroad for women to do personal development work on themselves. Please welcome Dr. Trinace Richardson. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's a blessing to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us who you are and what you do. How did you get started? Like, what's your story? Yeah, well, thank you for asking. So my name is Trinace Richardson. Trinace, come on, Trinace. Yeah. <laughs> so, Trinace. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole funny story in itself because my mother named me Trinace Nicole. But my family, I grew up, everybody has nicknames growing up. So I grew up named Nikki. <laughs> Nikki. Nikki was my nickname. Nikki. And if you ask any, Nikki, any, because from Nicole. So if you ask anybody in my family growing up with me who Trinace is, they would be like, Ooh, oh, she's trying to be fancy. What's she doing? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. It's, it's been my name all my life. And folks have, you know, in college started pronouncing it correctly. So I was like, all right, let's roll with it. So I am proud to be Trinace Nicole Richardson. <laughs> so I am the, um, I'll start by saying I am uh, a lot of things. I am um, the founder of Real Women Rock, and we exist to create safe spaces 
for women to do personal development work on themselves. And we do that through sister circles. So I've created, um, and with the help of our team over time, since 2013, we've created several sister circles across the country and abroad. We've taken real women on the road to allow women to literally sit in circles and talk to each other. Uh, We have uh, trained facilitators to facilitate a discussion with women so that they're not the the experts in the room and they're not doing all the talking to women, but they they usher women into a conversation about topics that matter to women wow. and help them help them help each other. And so I live in the Maryland DC area and so we have birthed it that's sort of our nucleus and we have monthly sister circles that we're meeting in person pre COVID. And of course <laughs> we're uh, we transitioned to, to being fully virtual, but we that has allowed us to have women um, present from across the country. And then we've also taken uh, real women sister circles across the country physically uh, pre-COVID uh, to other states and other countries. Wow, so I love that. Yeah. So how did that, yeah. how did sister circle develop, come to mm-hmm. life? Girl, out of my brokenness, mm. <laughs> out, of, out of my stuff. Um, really, I am so pre-real women. Um, I was uh, raised in Pentecostal church, um, Kojic girl, Church of God in Christ all my life. And um, I'm, I grew up singing and doing a lot of, uh, we've talked about this, doing a lot of theater and, and those things. And so my upbringing was uh, very staunch and strict. And mm. I grew up thinking that the expectations upon me were very rigid. So I lived to those expectations so much so I became a minister. Um, I did a whole lot of gospel singing, was invited to do other types of singing, even though I love and now do other types of singing. I was afraid to do it then because I thought the church going to get me and I'm going to hell. So I was really just, a, you know, just really trying to fill in um, all the boxes, check all the boxes that I was expected to do. I became an educator um, instead of pursuing dreams of singing and acting and all those types of things. And then um, became a, um, a minister and was full-time in ministry and all those things and was doing very well for anyone looking on the outside. Um, but for me, because I really had been so busy checking boxes and excelling to please people um, and to be an overachiever so that others could be pleased with me, that I hadn't really delved into what I needed and wanted and really who I was. So as a result of that, I literally had a breakdown. I mean, leader in ministry, leader in education. My husband and I were having issues. I I was just really broken and really being selfish in in all that I was doing because I, I was acting out of a place where I was tired and exhausted because when you are trying to live two separate lives, you're trying to do for other people and still find yourself in the midst of all of that. It's exhausting. And I couldn't do it anymore Um, at the thought of I'm not going to make it. My husband and I are going to make it if I don't make some changes. Um, I made major changes in my life and um, transitioned back into education full time um, because ministry can be a lot in that space. Um, I knew that what I needed, what I, what I could have used a lot of was a safe space to just be me without the titles, 
without the position, without the expectation of me being quote unquote leader and having it all together and just pouring out without being poured into. I needed that where I could very honestly pray and cuss in the same space. Come on now. Wait a minute. Whoa. (laughs) Yes, sir. Oh, my. That's what I need. Pray and cuss. A safe space. Yes. And a safe space. That's what I meant. I meant what I said. And I I needed that. And I honestly could not find that because, you know, I could get the pray in there from somewhere. I could go to a women's group and get that. Mm -hmm. And I could go, I could go real ratchet and raunchy somewhere and just cuss it all out. But I couldn't, I couldn't find anywhere where all of me would be okay. Yeah. And so... I couldn't find it, so I created it, and I started meeting with women who were in my circle already, um, you know, my figurative circle, and it just began to grow and bloom, word of mouth, you know, and then we decided to formalize it in 2013, and we've been meeting monthly ever since, and as a result of that, you know, I'm able to, because I've been able to train facilitators, not only am I able to go to a circle and just sit and not be the facilitator of the group that I found it because other women are trained to do it, but there are sister circles that are happening in other places when I'm sitting at home. And, and it's a beautiful thing to wow. see it birthing yeah. across the country and abroad to create these safe spaces for women. That's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard work because what people think is, you know, you're dealing with women. I know some of us as, as women are like, ooh, a women's group. Mm, Lord. <laughs> you know, we don't mm-hmm. want to. Some of us have real issues with dealing with women. But I have found that when I had that attitude, it was all about me. It was more about me and my issues than it was about anybody else. It was about comparing myself it was about competing. It was about being jealous or envious of what someone else had. And I had to own that and realize that every woman has issues that she's dealing with. Every yeah, woman does. Every woman. And it may not every woman. And it may not be the same issues. But I tell you, I can see, uh, you know, the discernment, whatever you want to call it. I can see a woman now and know whatever you have going on on the outside. Let's, let's just really just talk about who you are. And, and, and what you're striving for in life. Because wherever we are, no matter how successful we are, we're working to be better. We're working to grow. We're working to be a, you know, a better version of ourselves. And so that has helped me strip away my own stuff and titles and, and facade for people and just be who I am. I got to be me. And I'm not going to. And so now I'm, I am a preacher. I am a singer. I do do ministry, but I also do yoga and I'm not afraid. I, I teach yoga. I've I become trained to teach yoga. I'm not afraid of that uh, duality that someone may have an issue with. Um, yeah. And I sing, I sing more than just gospel music. So there's a whole lot to me that I'm ready to fully embrace as a result of the work that we've done in Real Women. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I saw that you are uh, yoga-fied. How has <laughs> it helped your journey? Yeah. Yeah, it has helped me so much. So so some of what I'll say will make somebody uncomfortable, but we already had that conversation. I'm well, we that. are right here. So, <laughs> we are right here. And, and we, we are about making the saints un- uncomfortable. That means you're yes. healing, right? Yes, and you're growing. And, and you're growing. And stretching. And stretching. Wrong with that. Come on, yes. yoga. Come on and stretch us out, sis. Yes. So what, so what I needed at the time, because oftentimes as 
as Christians, as church folk, what we tend to do is, you know, when it's time to get together, when the women, when the church, when the saints, all of those folks, when they get together, we got food somewhere around. We are eating something up. You hear me? Wait a minute. We know how to get (laughs) (laughs) And eating well. Let's fix that. And eating well. We We know how to cook it up and eat it up. And there is nothing wrong with that type of fellowship. But what I believe it has done for many of us is it has created unhealthy habits. And so we end up thinking that, you know, gathering together equates food, but no gathering together equates company and connection. And that doesn't have to be connected to food. And so I, I have as a result, and I've never, I've never been, you know, hugely obese, but I know every, all of us know what our ideal for ourselves. Right. And so for me, the unhealthiness came because I was an emotional eater and, and I wasn't moving enough to lift my spirit because what happens is if we are not moving more and eating like foods, we are creating the opposite of life within ourselves. So if I'm not, if I'm not eating life, if I'm not moving around and generating and breathing and inhaling deeply and exhaling deeply and, and, and all of that comes from, you know, cardio and moving around, I am not living fully. I am, I'm living shallow. I'm breathing shallow. And so I had begun that, that, that mode, especially after having my son, I gained weight and just kept it. And I was looking for helpful ways to move my weight. And I had done running, I had done walking and I had touched, you know, yoga before as a health something, um, but didn't touch it too much and didn't go too often because I've been told, you know, the Christians tell you there's something wrong over there. They do oohing and on and coming in and stuff, <laughs> something going on over there. <laughs> it's so a I cult. Didn't, I didn't touch it. Right, right. But I decided to to explore it more and go to more sessions. And then I found a wonderful studio here in the Southern Maryland area that does, you know, a Christian black woman owns it. Um, And so just became a regular. And what I found with yoga is not only has it addressed my health benefits, but it has addressed um, my health issues. I'm sorry to benefit me in a healthy way uh, physically, but it has also addressed my mental and emotional issues where I have peace and calm and strength to discipline myself mm. to do the things that I need to do. That's and right. I will go so, yeah, and I'll go so far as to say I have had spiritual God experiences on my mat where there are certain ways in which a yoga instructor can share with you and pour into you that causes you to reflect while you're going through the poses. And shall I would find myself in pigeon or something just bawling my eyes out hmm. um, because we, we hold things in our body. This is mm. all what, what yoga has taught me when we, we all know, you know, stress, stress, if we internalize it and don't release it in some healthy way, it turns into stuff for women. It turns into yes, fibroids. It yes, it does. It turns into ulcers. It turns into, you know, all of these things. And so we hold that stress in parts of our body. So, for example, our hips have a whole lot of emotion held in them. So if we've been locking up a lot of stuff, you can get in a couple of yoga poses and stay there. And before you know it, as you are breathing through it, I, I would just 
ball like a baby, cry like a baby and feel mm. lighter as a result because I've released it. So, so yoga for me has, has had physical benefits. It has had emotional and, and mental benefits, but it's also blessed me spiritually because I've been able to tune into the fact that I can meet God anywhere. Hey. I don't have to just be in the church to meet God. Ooh. I don't have to to Thank be you, among, God. you know, the, the two or three that are gathered, mm-hmm. I can literally be by myself on my mat quietly um, or not so quietly communing with him. So, yeah. So when can I get my appointment? Huh? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we I need to hear. shake some stress out of these hips. Yes. Woo. So, yes. Anyone who's listening, there are a couple of different ways. I offer it one-on-one. I also pull small groups together, and that's on my website, trinacerichardson.com. So I, I do that on my own. But I also, I, I was so blessed by uh, Shabak Yoga, and you can hear it in the name. Um, she is just unapologetically Christian and unapologetically a yogi. Her name is Courtney Smith-Brown, and she's in the Waldorf, Maryland area. And there, I physically and virtually teach a class every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So uh, I'm there every Saturday morning, but I'm also available virtually, and, and appointments can be made with just me so we can work through your stuff together, or it can be made in, in groups and, and have car wheel travel to where you are as well. All right, now. Now, mm-hmm. I am going to take you up on that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, during the pandemic, lots of people have been rediscovering basic fitness. Mm-hmm. Did you see a spike in yoga during these pandemic times? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? It's been um, it's been two sides of the same coin. So I'll, mm. I'll answer with a yes and a no. Yes, in that more of us have been trying to figure out how to get healthful um, without going to the gym or without, you know, because everything has been shut down. So as we've been looking for ways to get healthy within the confines of our home or our neighborhoods, um, there have been many more of us going online to seek out yoga, yoga videos on YouTube or um, or buying a Peloton bike. I, I became one of the, <laughs> the Peloton co-followers mm-hmm. because I, I love the Peloton bike. And, and I'm also just getting outside and going walking and all those things. So the answer to that is yes, more more folks have been interested in how, how I can get helpful um, within the confines of my own space. And then also, of course, because many yoga studios have been hit Many yoga teachers have been hit by just not having their doors open or folks not being comfortable getting together and not feeling as much of a connection virtually. Some people Mm. love the in-person experience and and just didn't want to make that, you know, and still are resistant to making that transition virtually. And I get it. There's nothing like in any situation, I think, you know, in-person is, I'm, a, I'm an educator by trade, so I know what it's like to have to transition from in-person to virtual. It makes a difference. It, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference. You lose that connection. Um, and that intimacy. Teachers, yes. And it, it's even more intimate with yoga because we offer, as long as so, uh, a student is comfortable, we offer hands-on assist. So we'll help get you into the pose and all those things if you're comfortable. So all of that is lost. 
from not being in person. Mm. But then we have to get to the point, just like we do in life, you know, in life we have to make adjustments beyond our control. So we don't, we can't control everything. So because we can't control this, now we have to say, what are we going to do? What's the next best thing? And so we have found um, in yoga, as well as in the sister circles I talked about earlier, that we can have a connection virtually, that we can learn from each other and grow and connect and, and still do the poses and, and laugh and, you know, and, and get our rest in and our calm in. We can do all of those things virtually. So yes and no, but um, we can't complain about it until we are trying. You know, we got to right. try it. First. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. You speak mm-hmm. to inspire individuals to help build businesses, churches, and civic organizations excel in the yeah. areas of personal and leadership development. Mm-hmm. Leadership mentor. Yes, you wear that yeah. hat. What makes a good leader? Oh, that's such a good question. Such a good question. And as you mentioned, um, from all different spectrums, my my leadership lens and my answer to that question is whether you are in ministry, whether you are in education, whether you are in business, uh, in the corporate sector, in the nonprofit sector, um, many times we have mistaken um, having the position or the title as equating to simple the definition of leadership. And mm-hmm. that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Just because we wear the title <laughs> does not mean we are in essence and uh, a leader. And so for me, there are a couple of things I would share. One is very simply put, there are three core values that I think leaders possess. They possess authenticity, vulnerability, and empathy. Those are really, I don't believe you're a good leader. You may wear the title, but I don't believe you're a good leader unless you are authentic. And by that, you are not doing, you are not making decisions just because of what someone else has said, someone else has done, but you are leading based on your own compass, your own core values that folks are able to see that you are not the Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, somebody want to be, you are you. And, and they are, they are able to be influenced by you and follow you because you are presenting and authentic views. And it's really hard for some people to learn from others and then still stand in their own power. Um, but And I'll share with you how I've, I've been able to help folks do that in a second. But that's the first one. The second one is vulnerability. And I think this is lost a lot of times with leaders because we feel like we have to always project strength mm. as a leader. Yeah. And and the if you think even in your life, in your, in your listeners' lives, the most powerful people who have impacted us the most are probably the ones who have opened the curtain just a little bit behind the curtain, allowed us to see a little bit of their lives, a little bit of their weakness, their weak moments, their failures, and how they were able to overcome them. That's vulnerability. That's allowing me to see behind the curtain to let me know you're human. And you're not just telling me what I should do because I should do it and you do it the right way and I do it the wrong way and this is how you should do it. You're telling me about the lessons you've learned, about the mistakes you've made so that I can feel you're walking this with me. Absolutely. In front of me. Mm -hmm. And then the the last one is empathy. And I believe that's lost on a lot of leaders as well, because, you know, I've been in a circle of leaders, whether it's been in ministry or education or the corporate sector, 
and heard them talk, oh my God, you would just, you would be surprised if some people talk about how the people they influence or they, or that follow them, you know, get on their nerves and they whine about this and they whine mm. about that and, and all, and, and it's, it's um, a very egotistical place that some leaders come from. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about anything that, that I just have seen done. I've been that type of leader. So, mm. so I've been the type that was so judgmental, especially in a Christian circle, mm. been so judgmental that I could not be empathetic and put myself in somebody else's shoes as if my stuff doesn't stink and never has. Come on. So it's really hard for um, for me now to follow someone, to be influenced by someone, to respect or admire someone as a leader who is not authentic, vulnerable, and empathetic. And that's just a key for me. If I see that, I know we can grow together. I can listen to you. I can be poured into by you because you're going, you're open to being poured into by God and somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, because of those traits. Um, and so what happened is I was doing all of this work with real women for a very long time. And I would have women come to me who were leaders and say, I love what you're doing. And I would love to come to your circles, but um, my members come to your circles and I don't feel comfortable letting my hair down and be wow. it being my safe space or, mm. um, or, you know, the people that work with me or for me, they come to your circles. And so, um, or I have this position in the community and I really don't feel safe. So I developed a group called Leading with Soul. And Leading with Soul is for current and aspiring women leaders who endeavor to lead and live with authenticity, vulnerability, and empathy. And we just, we work through it. I've created a framework that we work through together for an entire year. And they get the opportunity to re-up. And they have. We're in the second year of our cohort. We have two cohorts working together right now. And we talk through the pillars that I believe are really key to leading with with soul. And they're based on those three things. I saw seven pillars. Yes, ma'am. I did my research. (laughs) Tell us about the seven pillars of leading with soul. (laughs) You did do your research. Don't play with me. Love this. Go ahead, gal. On this podcast, yeah, um, yeah. So it is so important, I believe, and I'll go quick through them quickly um, because uh, you know we can talk more. Any one of your your listeners, I would love to have more of a conversation with you about it. But just starting with character, everything we just talked about, right? <laughs> starting mm-hmm. with character is so important. So we really talk through knowing who you are yeah. and having a sense of clarity about who you are and confidence about who you are, it's so important to have your character intact. And then we talk about culture and the fact that we don't just, you know, live within ourselves. We do live in a world among people and we have to influence other people and and share with other people and, and, and we want to make sure that we are aware of what culture looks like. We are able to assess the culture of the groups that we lead as well as we're able to shift culture so when we come into a room, when we are a part of a group, it should change. It should shift because we are a part of it. That's right. It should become, you know, so we talk about that. We talk about courage um, and the fact that it takes, in order to be an effective leader, it takes courage to take some risks, to do some things that you're not, that you may be afraid to do because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability 
to value the possible outcome mm. more than you value the process to get. There. Yeah, that's good. So, isn't that good? It may be a process to get to what you're trying to get to, but but you you value and, and desire the possible outcome. And I say possible because courage means that what you expect on the other side of that may not even be what out what the outcome is. But oh, guess what? it could be better it could be better than what you expected as well. Amen. So, so, you know, so we have to have the courage to step out there and do some things. Um, so character, courage, culture, and then compassion. And that falls into that empathetic um, sphere that we were talking about. And we really just talk about the fact that we are able to uproot a lot of our own prejudgment, narrow-mindedness, yeah. um, and criticism so that we can be more compassionate to others. Because like I said, we can any group can sit all day pointing at other people and saying, look what they're doing. They ain't right. That ain't mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But until we're able to look in the mirror, we don't have and can't have true compassion for somebody else. And so do challenges together as it relates to compassion that have really been fun and enlightening for us all. And then it's after that piece, that character, courage, culture, and compassion, that we begin to work through the last three that are, are more about, you know, what, what does a leader say? What does a leader do? That kind of stuff. Because all of those other things have been this real internal type of work we've been doing, right? So then the last three are content, creativity, and communication. And so some people feel like, you know, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't have what it takes to be so-and-so because I don't know what to say or... All of us have a story. All of us have powerful content because we've been living it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've been living oh, yeah. life lessons that we have to share. And so in that pillar, we literally just draw out of ourselves content. Um, we get really, the next pillar, we get really creative with it. So now we know these are the things that have happened in our lives. These are the lessons we've learned. Now, how can we share this with someone in a creative way to, to help them get it, you know, and creativity is all, some people feel like they are more creative than other people, but creativity is really just about you being you because you are unique. I am unique. Yeah. There's certain things I like that nobody else does. That's right. And so that makes, you know, that's utilizing that makes me a creative person. I can create out of that zone. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is communication. So then we talk about, so where most, people would start with a leader we end with a leader because because yeah you can say anything you can you can have the right words and deliver it in a charismatic way but how's your heart where's your heart how you how you feeling on the inside about yourself and other people mm-hmm. and have you really dug deep to have authentic content to share with someone now it's time to share it so that's kind of how we roll through those pillars in leading with soul I love it. I love it. And it really is important that we as women know that Mm -hmm. being a woman in leadership is important. And we've Mm -hmm. seen the rise of that through time. We're in 2021 and we've just gotten Mm -hmm. our very first vice president of the United States is a black yes. woman. She's a woman. Yes. That's that's a praise all by itself. And then yes. she's a black woman. That's yes. a different kind of praise all by itself. A different kind of praise. Yeah. Yes. So we as women are needed as leaders. 
We mm-hmm. are needed mm-hmm. as leaders. So I have a mm-hmm. question. What yeah. leaders have inspired you? Mm. It's so good. Oh, that's such a rich question. And and I would even say to answer that, I'm going to name some folks that someone else wouldn't necessarily consider a leader because we, as you said, it's so important to see women leaders out in the forefront. But we've been leading, child. Oh, my. <laughs> been, for many we years. We have been leading for many years. For many our, years. Our, our churches would not exist without women hmm. leading from, Speak that. from the background. Speak you know? that. And so, yeah. So our households. Our households. Our house, speak it, Ayanna. Come our on now would not exist without us leading. And so, especially in the ways that I named, because we see all this machismo, all this macho stuff happening in mm-hmm, the world, mm-hmm. um, and, and think that that's leadership when nothing really happens until you're connecting with people, until you're actively connecting with people. So for me, the leaders in my life have been those that didn't have the titles or weren't recognized by the masses. Um, of course, my mother, um, my mother um, was became, um, she got divorced and became a single mom um, and sacrificed so much for us and just example for me um, how to be a good, dependable, godly woman um, and not perfect. No, but none of us are perfect. She didn't exhibit perfection, but yeah. she exhibited loyalty and love and trust and um and imperfection. She exhibited that for me so I could know that it's okay to be imperfect. Um, and then I, it, I'm a church girl, so there are several folks that come up in my mind. I have, you know, mothers and mentors in ministry. Um, Florida Moorhead comes to mind. Sabrina Mangrum comes to mind. Um, uh, my aunt, who is also my godmother, Helen Hughes-Clark comes to mind and I'm, I'm writing a book and um, these people are top of mind because they're in my personal memoir about some experiences in my life and so those women and you'll have to come back and talk about that again okay I would absolutely <laughs> love to girl just before I finish let me tell you the title and then we just gotta set a date and come back yeah um, but it yeah so it is um it is those women who were standing have been standing beside a man or um have ventured out and decided I'm going to pastor a church and, you know, I know everybody around me is clutching their pearls, but this is what I feel God has led me to do mm-hmm. and uh, have done it and been courageous through it. So I would start there. I would say the women who were, um, who have blessed me in my life um, and shown me what God looks like in human form, um, who have been loving toward me and caring toward me, my aunt. And then, you know, I, I can look outside of me. I have mentors. I think you interviewed Vicki Johnson. She's a wonderful big sister. Yes, yeah, she is. And, yeah, a mentor to me. I absolutely love her. Um, and there are others. But I, but I would have to say that the, the women in my life who have helped shape and form me have been the leaders in my life. You are a published author. Mm-hmm. You've written Purpose Pushers, The Journey <laughs> of Discovering and walking in your life's purpose, which mm-hmm. highlights the real life stories of 20 women in mm-hmm. different phases of their purpose mm-hmm. journey. Now, mm-hmm. I have to tell you this. I have an obsession mm-hmm. with butterflies. 
And I've had an obsession with butterflies for many years. And I'm I'm actually, um, I have some butterflies who are actually, because I collect the live ones and, you know, stuff on paper, pictures, yada, yada, yada. But I actually have some that are in the chrysalis stage right now. Um, oh at my goodness. school, my students and I have been studying the life cycle. And so, you know, many times folks think that my obsession with uh, butterflies uh, have to do with how they look. But Ooh. it's actually my obsession came not from looking at them, but my obsession with butterflies came from the love of the life cycle itself, the Ooh, metamorphosis process. Right now. Yes, ma'am. Yes, so, excited. so listen, so when you and if you all have not looked at the life cycle of a butterfly, you need to go and check that out and then sit back and ask God now. How does this parallel to me? Okay, I'm not gonna preach, but <laughs> but I was sitting here for it. Oh my goodness! But listen, the stage that my butterflies are in now, um, there are eight of them, and they're in the chrysalis stage, and mm-hmm. so there's so much that happens during the chrysalis stage Mm, 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 and mm -hmm. I mean you can look at the bottom of uh, where they're housed and you can Mm -hmm. see blood you can see Mm, uh, mm, mm. (laughs) come on here I mean you can see so much that's happening in this cocoon and it's so Mm -hmm. telling and I mean, when I first heard the story, Trinace, I promise you, I fell in love. And then to see mm-hmm. that all of this happens to make this beautiful thing that we see flying all around, right? So I'm looking mm-hmm. at your website and mm-hmm. I'm seeing the cover of your book. And of course, mm-hmm. it drew me in because I see... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Butterflies. And I'm saying, okay, wait a minute. She said the stages of their, the different stages of their purpose journey. Now, how in the world does she have butterflies on the cover? So my question is, did the butterfly metamorphosis inspire your book? And why is it important for women in your book to highlight the stages of their purpose journey? Child, we could have we could have done the whole episode right here. We could have just <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm not I'm not gonna go in a whole lot of detail because I, I do you know I Because you want the Saints to buy the book and you we're gonna make sure free. we tell the sisters that yeah. they need to go get the book so we're not gonna give yeah. them the full trailer. But yeah, I just but want you to give them a little bit so that they can say, girl, let me go get this book. Girl, let me, why you, I, I could have just, you could have, you could have written a book. How about that? The Come on. Said, as, I ain't going to write your book, book, sis. I ain't going to write it. Closely re- as closely related as, um, as what you just described. So yeah, it, it was such a blessing to go through this journey with these 20 women. And it is absolutely the, the cycle, the life cycle 
of the butterfly is literally how our book is broken down. It is broken down into four phases. And so wow. um, the first, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you, you preached the book just now. So <laughs> we talk, we talk about the egg and infancy stage of phase of the butterfly's growth. And we liken that to the women's stories who share their purpose driven stories with those who are in the infancy phase of their purpose. And by that, they're saying, I'm hoping, I'm just wishing upon a star right now that I may not even be aware of what my purpose is. And it's so amazing, these women, it's about five women in that section who talk about the fact that, you know, they either are or have very recently come out of that infancy phase where they were really just trying to discover who they were and what they were called to do. And so very similar to that egg, you know, where it's, it's that, that egg, it doesn't even look, it looks absolutely nothing like it's going to look mm. in its final stages. Ain't that good? And so, yeah, so the absolute transformation starts just at the discovery, really just an, un, if you look at a leaf, you can't even hardly detect an egg there, you know, it's just that, that small, but all we need is just that little mustard seed of hope and and um, and desire and wishing that purpose would be birthed. And so that's those four women. And then we talk about in the second phase, the larva or cat- caterpillar stage. And so mm-hmm. that is the discovery phase of purpose where the women are sharing that they're learning. They're learning and growing what, uh, what their purpose is in their life. And these beautiful women's stories talk about, you know, how they thought they had to be perfect for other people, how they, you know, were forced by family or life situations to look in the mirror and how hard situations in life kind of revealed their purpose. Because a lot of times our, our ministry comes out of our mess, you know, our Mm -hmm. our purpose comes out of our pain. And so they share a lot of that. In the third phase, as you mentioned, the pupa or chrysalis phase, um, that is the transition phase. So, you know, it's never clean. It's always messy when, when you're trying to discover. And so the, the word for them was I'm changing. Mm. And so some of them, you know, working a full-time job while trying to do at the same time work their purpose that's outside of the realm of their nine to five. And so they're spending late nights up and weekends up and trying to do it on side hustling, trying to make things work for their purpose. And those who have had family members or spouses, you know, really fight them as they begin to transition and bloom and blossom and um, literally going from financial bankruptcy into blessing and being able to be a financial advisor on the other side of it. All of that messiness is in the transition phase. Um, And you've just described a lot Mm. of that so well. And then some women share from the adult phase of a butterfly. Um, the, and, and that for them, for us, is the reproductive or the productive phase where now I'm sharing out of a place where I'm able to share lessons learned and pour out to somebody else. And of course, we have lessons that we've learned along the way, but it's a different kind of power and strength in your voice when you're able to say, um, no, you can make it because I've made it through this. I've made it. I have, and I'm here to tell you, and now I'm walking in my purpose because of everything that I've been through. And so a, a lot of those women That's were good. able to share 
from that perspective as well. So yeah, the each woman's story. I mean, some will make you cry, some will make you laugh. Yeah. Um, each of us have have shared something meaningful in there, but everyone will be able to find themselves at some phase of their purpose in that book. Yeah, I love that, and that mm-hmm. is the life cycle of sisterhood, huh? Ooh, that yes, might be in my book. Yes. You can't take that, Trinace. Go, you got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if, if I if I say it out loud, I promise to attribute it to you. Ooh, <laughs> my God. Good. Ooh, yeah, that is good. It's so apropos, and I'm gonna tell you since you mentioned it. You know, my and and mine is a little different than yours. My favorite animal is a frog, but it's for the same reason. Oh, we studied and the frog too, honey. The life yes. cycle of the frog. We studied that this week. Woo! Wow. And the different kinds of frogs and the difference between a bullfrog and, oh my goodness, they're wood frogs and they're red eye frogs and, ooh! And yes. listen, there are, there are frogs that look tiny and harmless, yeah. but their, their color shows you don't come over here. Absolutely. And we learned this week that some of them mm-hmm. develop warts on the outside mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. predator comes up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, and I only said that to say that life cycle shows up in so many of God's creatures. And us, like that's, I don't see how we can can separate ourselves and think so mm. highly of ourselves, you know, and so lowly of others or even others of God's creation because that same life cycle, those, whether you look at the seasons of the year with the weather, whether yeah. you look at the life cycle of God's creatures and our own, we can see that cycle displayed literally and figuratively throughout our lives. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Mm. It is. It's like, how can you not appreciate life? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Every stage of life, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Every stage of life. And, and that's so important. What you just said is very important because we will appreciate certain stages. We will appreciate. When living my life like it's golden, you know, Come we, on, will, we will appreciate. <laughs> we will appreciate those parts of our lives that things are going really well. But I really, honestly believe that there are lessons that we can learn in those moments where it feels like winter, where it feels like the chrysalis stage, where it feels like we are. You know, as you went through that, the way that butterfly comes out. <laughs> of that Christmas stage is they outgrow it. They, oh they get to the point where they are so uncomfortable Ooh. inside of that shell that they have to make their way out. They won't live inside of it. And so that Ooh. uncomfortability, that pain, that any of that stuff that we're feeling, we can use it as fuel to grow. Yeah. We can use it to, to stretch us. And so it's all about perspective. And it's about having a community because you have just stressed the importance of sisterhood with this podcast, it is so important to have community. So you know you're not you're not going through by yourself, sis. Yeah. And 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 it's all of, you can you can shift your perspective just by having someone say, "Girl, come on, we got you, we got you." Ooh, that's next week's so, so episode. Important. Don't you step on it. Ooh, prepare it. <laughs> 
prepare it. I like sis. I love I love how uh, Maya Angelou doctor. She said put 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 some respect on my name. Doctor. Mother Maya. Maya. She said we delight in the beauty of the butterfly but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. My God. My God. Isn't hmm. that the truth? Isn't that the Isn't truth? That the truth? Mm-hmm. Wow. So the next time we see a butterfly, we better be thinking about that entire life cycle to appreciate that thing. And what that says is for those of us looking at people who are admiring where they are right now, admiring what they have, admiring their purpose and what they're walking in right now. Make sure we are very aware that there's there's a whole journey behind that. My there's goodness. a whole cycle behind that that has Ooh. helped people get to where they are. Absolutely. My That's kids good. will tell you when I see them, butterflies, because I mean, it represents so much for me. But when I see one flying by, I stop what I'm doing and mm. I just take in a breath every time because it just reminds me of God's beauty and it reminds me to just breathe because I made it through that first stage that's amazing oh that's amazing and isn't it a blessing how you can appreciate it by looking at God's creatures by reflecting on that life cycle you can begin to appreciate your own life. I love how you said that. You, you stop and pause, not just to appreciate God's creation, but then it, it teaches you to appreciate your own phases of life and how you've made it through. That's beautiful, Ayanna. My Lord. That's beautiful. Now, mm-hmm. my favorite question to ask my guest, who mm-hmm. is the woman you admire the most, past or mm-hmm. present, and mm-hmm. what would you tell her that she doesn't already know? Mm, 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 mm. I just needed to sit with that beautiful question. Oh, my God. And differently posed than most, um, most ways this kind of question is asked. And I have to, I have to go back one generation. I, my most immediate response would be my mother. But I think about my grandmother. I don't know if many of us living in these current days think much about generations past and what they had to have lived through and survived in Hmm. order for us to be here. I got filled up, sis. I got filled up. It's so much impacted in that. And so Mm. I, I... could, I could rest my laurels in, you know, if when we are talking in this moment, we are celebrating Mother's Day weekend, and I could think about my mom, but I'm thinking back one step further um, to my grandmother, who was, um, she was raised and grew up ill, like she was just a sickly woman, always had illnesses, in and out of the hospital, those types of things, and she birthed 10 children. One of them died, raised nine of them. Come on, Terry. And, they don't make them like that no more, sis. They don't, they don't make them like that no more with one, with one man. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Grandma. <laughs> Just add it to Grandma made it with one man. Ethel May had one husband. and Come on, Mother Ethel May. Um, Call her name. Yeah. And, yes. And 
she allowed everyone to be and grow in their own right. I, I can't even imagine. I have two, and I just can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, and and when she died, a piece of of us died with all of us. Her, mm. She was so integral. She was our glue. You know, mm. many families talk about yeah. grandmama being glue. Yeah. Um, and there was a piece of how we walked around and lived and related to each other that died with her. And, you know, we would all love to be the person to kind of bring that back. But it, it, it did. It, it, it went away with her. And so I'm just grateful that I have the memory of her, that I have the example. So I would tell her, I stand, oh my gosh, mm. I, stand on, I stand on your shoulders. Mm. Um, I, am, I am doing things that I am traveling the world and I am speaking to women in ways that you probably never even dreamt of doing, but you wanted it for me. Without even dreaming it for yourself, you wanted it for me. And so um, I'm doing more. I'm being more because you allowed, you sacrificed so much to allow my mother to be and then to allow me. And so the strength of a woman um, is, is my grandmother. Yeah. Sis, you messed me up on that one. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Mother Ethel May. Yes. We speak her name. We Absolutely. speak your name, mother. Mm-hmm. Come on, Ethel May. Yeah, you got a legacy on this here podcast, <laughs> Doctor you know, Trenace sure. Richardson, yeah. huh? Thank you. I'm just gonna make sure my mama hears this. Yeah, want to hear her mother's name? Thank you for this opportunity. How do we share your website? How do we get in touch with you? Social media. How can our listeners follow and get more of Doctor Richardson? Well, again, thank you for this. Um, I can be reached at trenacerichardson.com and that's T-R-E-N-A-C-E trenacerichardson.com all of my information about all of the many ways that I that I move and be in the world are there um, all of the information about me speaking or singing or teaching yoga that information is there as well there are links to the Leading with Soul and Real Women Rock communities there so Everything is there, um, and I'm looking forward. And all the social media platforms are available right on the homepage as well. Um, and so the books are there. I'm looking forward to um, later this year releasing Mosaic is a book that's just authored by me, Mosaic, How Religion Broke Me But God Put Me Back Together Again. Hey, and so, hey, yeah. wait a minute. Don't you start yeah. nothing. I told you, I'm just going to drop the title so we can talk about it later. It's going to be a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> oh, my. But yeah, all of that will be on the website. Yeah. Dr. Trenace Richardson, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It has been a pleasure to have some sister time with you. Yeah. Thank you and mm-hmm. I'm going to be joining you soon. So yes, we will yes. have an opportunity to talk again soon, but I'm going to be reaching out about Miss Yoga. Um, I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it. I love you and love enjoy you. your Mother's Day and we'll talk soon. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Sister Conversations with Ayana Blake. Be sure to subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app and sign up to join our email list at www.sisterconversations.com. See you next week. And don't forget, bring a sister with you.